0: Welcome to the Coping 19 limited series podcast. A positive look at how entrepreneurs are coping with this COVID-19 pandemic, what they're learning from this situation and how they're changing their business practices to accommodate this new world. And now here's your host, Jennifer Lee. You're driving down the highway, you're on a road trip, you're going through the mountains. It's so picturesque. The sun is out, the sky is blue, and all of a sudden, everything changes gray clouds start rolling in. It starts to pour down on your car. You can't see where you're going. You notice that your Google Maps has stopped working. And on top of that, you have no more cell reception. Your battery is about to die. You have to pull over and you find this paper map, but you're so confused because you've never used one before. So you're like, uh, ah, what do I do? How do I find my way to my destination? And you start to feel really, really lost. And that's how a lot of us entrepreneurs are feeling. We're feeling lost. Yes, we've been in this for a while, but we're still having to figure out creative ways to keep our businesses open. We are learning technology that we've never used before. And it's hard sometimes. There is a lot of uncertainty for a lot of businesses right now. And one industry that's gonna be really impacted this summer is the wine industry. Summer is a big deal for them. They host thousands of people. A day tour buses are always lined up carrying lots and lots of people not only that a lot of wineries hold weddings all summer long and here in bc the provincial health officer dr bonnie henry talked about how people are going to have to start thinking of changing the way they are doing weddings because you can't have a party of hundreds of people anymore Weddings are a big part of people's summers. I know people that go to like nine weddings a year. They have a lot of friends that get married. They're life events that people have been waiting for a long time. And a lot of those functions take place at wineries. So how is the wine industry coping with this? Because that is a big part of a lot of their business models. Not only that, wine tours are a huge thing for the summer. A lot of people go on wine trips and go to each winery. Wineries have evolved into a place where you spend a day at You go, you grab a picnic, you grab your favorite bottle of wine, you get to sit there in the beautiful glorious sunshine and enjoy the architecture of the winery and sometimes they have a beautiful view as well or you get to just gaze over the orchard and there's a lot of things for kids too. Now I've been to wineries that they have specialized playgrounds, they have tractor rides, it's become a thing to do even on a weekend during a hot summer day. And there's tons and tons of people that frequent these places. And let's face it, that's going to change this year. So how are wineries going to still create that winery experience with less people? Or are they going to do it virtually? There are so many questions that I want answered because I'm a big fan of the wine industry. I love going to wineries and a little disappointed that that might not be a part of my summer. But who knows what's going to happen. That's why I wanted to talk to Doug Bell, the owner of Northern Winery, which is actually Prince George's first winery. So that is really exciting in itself. I also wanted to talk to Doug because I love his passion for entrepreneurship. He is an entrepreneur through and through, and he is very successful at it. I met Doug a long time ago when I was a radio DJ. I lived in Prince George and I worked as the midday host for 101.3 The River. I enjoyed my time in Prince George immensely because I got to meet people like Doug, who are a very big part of the community, loves Prince George, loves creating an experience for the people that live there and for the people that come visit. So I want to know more about Doug and his journey through building the first winery in Prince George and basically how is he and his business coping during COVID-19. So let's learn a little bit more about Doug Bell.
1: I am a second generation entrepreneur. My father opened up uh, businesses in Prince George in 1988, which we still own today actually, and uh, have many of the same people working uh, with us. It actually took a few years to get here. You know, I went to school at uh, the university of Northern British Columbia up here in Prince George. It was a fantastic opportunity to learn. And the reason, that I kind of got started in business was that I originally thought I was kind of into maths and sciences. I really liked it. I liked the fact that there was practical solutions to problems. And in my uh, first year, I actually uh, went into maths and sciences, but I found out uh, that I had to take some electives. So I picked a few electives, one of them being a marketing class. And by about the second week of the marketing class, I realized that I was going down the wrong path and I needed to be in business for the rest of my life. It just, it all makes so much sense. And I love the Uh, way that you can get into the mindset of a consumer. You can find out what they're looking for, sometimes before they even know it, and you can reach them in a meaningful way that improves their lives uh, and gives them new ways of experiencing different things with their friends and families. And I think that's just kind of moves along to the wine industry. So I didn't originally get started in the wine industry. Uh, We were in the restaurant industry, the retail industry. We did uh, everything from uh, Wendy's restaurants, Davis car rentals, to uh, different farms practices and in uh, 2007 I had the opportunity to take over our group of companies which you know really gave me an edge. Uh, I have to say that the credit to being able to start a little bit earlier and have the trust from my family and from our shareholders to be able to take over our group of companies at a very young age was uh, humbling to say the least. However it had really kind of springboarded my career into thinking about different things that we could provide for people in the north and in 2011 we started developing plans to open up Prince George's first winery and the most northern winery in British Columbia. But it took four years and uh, in 2015 we opened and we've quickly developed from that opening date to become one of the, uh, the top 40 largest wineries in British Columbia in uh, just uh, four years.
0: I remember many years ago going to Doug's house back in Prince George and he had a few of us over and he had a whole wine tasting night where he told us about the concept that him and his dad had showed us the plans for the winery. And then we had wine tastings and cheese to uh, see kind of what we liked in different flavors and where he really wanted to push the winery. So it was so exciting to be at those preliminary meetings and to see where the winery is now, how it's growing and how it has a bistro and a beautiful patio where you get to sit by the river and enjoy a glass of wine and some very delicious food. And hopefully people will get to return and do that very soon in the future. Anyways, witnessing the beginning stages of the winery and seeing where it is today, I know there had to be a lot of massive challenges to set up the very first winery in Prince George. I
1: think the first one that probably people are thinking is, how the hell can you grow grapes in Prince George? Quite honestly, the answer is you can't. You know, we actually specialize in wines made from fruits other than grape. And so that in itself is an extremely tall challenge in that we're actually building a new product product. I mean, it's been made for thousands of years with fruits other than grape. Um, but we're building a new product line in a new product industry, along with about 20 or 30 other fruit wineries in the province. So it's not necessarily as accepted as a traditional grape wine, although it has a lot more of the grape flavors, tannins, the, the complexities, the acidity that you would expect out of a grape wine. But people just because they haven't tried it before or the wines that they have tried out of fruits aren't necessarily great quality. It's a challenge there. And then additionally to that, regulatory hurdles are huge in the wine industry. Anytime you're producing a controlled substance, there's a lot of controls the government puts uh, in front of you, and so it's not something that's easy to get into. Uh, I think we had to get acceptance from about five different levels of government just to to get our first wine on the go. And and then, of course, the other thing about wineries that a lot of people don't think about is cash flow is is absolutely essential because uh, not only do you have to spend all the money to get the winery going and buy the very expensive equipment and build a really beautiful facility, on a really beautiful piece of property, but then you need to actually make the wine and store the wine for an extended period of time before you can actually sell it. So it's a little bit more challenging than traditional business, but uh, there's a lot of benefits from it as well.
0: I love the way you adapted your business. When you knew you couldn't grow grapes, you didn't let that stop you from creating a winery in Prince George. You did your research and you found out what types of fruit you could use to make wine and you knew that fruit wine kind of sometimes doesn't have the most positive image it's changing now because a lot more people are delving into the art of fruit wine and so you had a lot of things stacked against you and you were able to arise and create a very successful fruit winery business and that being said the first winery business in Prince George so i love the lessons that you learned from that and the steps you took to succeed and achieve your goal and i think a lot of us in this covid-19 world can learn from that example and apply that just because we're in an era that maybe we can't meet face to face or there's other things that we're not allowed to do. Other businesses can evolve from this. We just got to think of different ways of tackling those challenges. It's really funny. Everyone is focused on the negative right now. And I really feel like if you really look
1: at kind of the long-term post-COVID changes that we've made, that we've made today that are going to impact our business going forward, it's incredible. I mean, we've come together as a team and really, you know, for years and years and years, we used to be very siloed because, you know, one group or one arm of the company would focus on this and one arm of the company would focus on this. Well, COVID has completely flipped that upside down and said, listen, if you're going to create, you need to have everyone's ideas. You need everybody to feel like they're involved in the process. And, and you need everyone to feel like they're going to contribute to the business's success. We've uh, had many, many meetings. We now have moved to weekly and multiple meetings per week to enable us to communicate much, much better. And during those meetings and during those communications, we've come up with new strategies, new products, new partnerships with other businesses um, that we never would have thought of on our own with in our silos. And additionally, we've learned that we don't always have to be in the same room. Meetings can be just as productive if not more through virtual means, and this has enabled us to be, I think, a lot more productive on our own portfolios and uh, and is is very effective and it will be something that we'll be doing going
0: forward. How are you seeing other businesses in the wine industry, the food industry, and your business, Northern Lights Winery, navigating through the storm of COVID-19?
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, it's really interesting in the, in the winery industry. And a lot of wineries are different. And I think from many perspectives, we're in a very fortunate situation. There's lots of restaurants that it doesn't matter how good of an operator you are, how good of an entrepreneur you are. There's nothing you can do. Restaurants are closed. In wineries, of course, many uh, wineries have restaurants they have closed or they might be able to be doing takeout or pickup. Of course, in wineries, we sell about 30% of our wines through the wine shop. And most wine shops are closed entirely. The majority of that is in the summertime. So there's a little bit of hope that there will be an opportunity to sell some this summer, but you know, we don't know when or or how it's going to look when we do reopen and what the tourism numbers are going to look like. And then additionally, we sell about 20% of our wines through the restaurant. So if you take the wine shop and the restaurants, uh, you know, in most wineries, that is actually about 50% of their sales. So there's a lot of risk there in particular in the summer. And uh, we need to start looking as an industry about building new distribution channels and finding new ways of packaging our products to get them to consumers in their new lifestyles because of course people are consuming wine in a different way and that's uh, been a really really fun process quite honestly think that kind of looking at it from the standpoint of where are people going to be consuming these how are they going to be consuming these and is this something that's just temporary or is it something that's here to stay we're very fortunate at our winery at northern lights because we actually started the process of thinking five years down the road about uh, a year and a half ago we started looking at direct to consumer different types of, of distributing wines through our wine club online shopping online partners as well so other other stores that could sell our products new distribution channels through new, Retailers, including like liquor stores and, and and those types, other new services like Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats that actually can, in some cases, drive alcohol with a specific license to the consumers. So we worked on this for about a year and a half because we felt like the industry was going in that direction anyways. It actually uh, turned out to be very timely because a lot of these systems we had put together had just come online as in late 2019 and has enabled us to be more successful. In weathering storm.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned this five year plan because all successful businesses have a plan of what's going to happen in the future and how they're going to grow. A good example of this is I went to a talk hosted by the Vancouver Board of Trade back in January, and their guest was the former VP of product for Netflix, Gibson Biddle. And he talked about this, how in the early stages of Netflix, they had so many years to hit certain goals. And so they wanted to do things like original content and then make Netflix a streaming service because it used to be uh, mail out DVDs. And even though streaming and maybe the thought of original content wasn't there yet and the technology for streaming wasn't there yet. They still thought about these different areas that they wanted to head to and wanted to accomplish. So it was just crazy to me that some of these things never existed and they already had in their plan that they were gonna do something like that. And I would like to know from Netflix if they could foresee something like this happening, that we were all going to be in our homes more and more in watching Netflix because they're even more successful now because everyone is binging Tiger King to pass the time during COVID and other original content.
1: If you look at the, the most successful companies, they have always had to be not necessarily the first to market, but they've had to be able to see where the customer was going before they went there. And I mean, in, in the case of Netflix, of course, they had the opportunity to be purchased by Blockbuster for I think something like $30 million. And, and Blockbuster at the time was massive and turned it down saying this, that the streaming thing was just a fad. Well, unfortunately, Blockbuster is out of business and Netflix is, is a very, very uh, wealthy company now.
0: There are always hurdles when you you're running a business, regardless of the current situation. But when something as big as COVID-19 happens, it changes everything for everyone. The questions that are rolling through my head for the wine industry is, what is the future for the wine industry? I think it will always be there, but it could look different. Maybe we won't be going to wineries to enjoy the restaurants and the winery experience. Maybe we won't be able to do wine tastings. Maybe a lot of the stuff will be moved online. I don't know. I know a lot of us don't know the answers, but I'm just curious because this is such a big industry, especially here in BC, what it's going to look like in the future.
1: I think it's a great question, and, and I mean, I don't know the answer. I don't I don't want to vision into the future, but I can tell you this. The wine industry has been around for thousands of years, and it will continue to be around in thousands of years, uh, for thousands of years. I think that it may look a little bit different than it does today. And again, similar to the, the weddings, I think people are going to look for things that are a little more intimate, that they don't necessarily have to be packed into a crowded tasting room to do, but allows them to gain uh, both that, the, the social aspect atmosphere, as well as the knowledge base and activity-based atmosphere the wineries have been able to produce in the past. Many wineries right now uh, in the summertime you expect to go to and have hundreds, if not thousands of people at. It could be for a wedding, it could be for a concert, it could be just in the tasting room. And so I think that people will start looking at like private tastings, virtual tastings, being able to uh, get product elsewhere and get that experience away from the winery, as well as when they do go to the winery do it in a more intimate setting where it's just them and their group and and or guide has proper uh, personal protective equipment but realistically we know that online is going to be key in people looking for either subscription based or direct to consumer can they can buy what they want when they want how they want and get it to them in a convenient manner and quickly and then the other thing though is that although you know liquor stores I think are going to be around for a long long time I think that they will become a bit smaller and a bit more niche and people will focus on you know on wines that they can't get readily or wines that are either very inexpensive so that they can get it cheaper and faster or wines that are not necessarily as available so some exclusive wines some elite wines things that they can feel a little bit more privileged to get.
0: You already talked about the possible changes to the whole winery experience, but what about weddings? Weddings still are going to happen this summer and are wineries still going to do them? So weddings are
1: are very interesting. I think weddings and restaurants are two things that people really need to to consider what the future is going to look like for that. And not that there isn't going to be a future. As a matter of fact, I think the future is going to be very bright. People are going to be getting married for a long time. People are going to want to get together in a restaurant setting, but they're going to have to do it in a different way. And especially for the next Next year to two years, people are going to want some changes that make them feel more secure. They're going to want to see some changes that enable them to feel like they're still getting the closeness, the social atmosphere that they used to get, but in a way that um, will enable them to feel more comfortable. So, you know, for weddings, uh, an example of this will be obviously that, you know, seating. we uh, see many weddings and you pack in, uh, you know, a couple hundred people or a thousand people into a little room. Well, that's not necessarily going to be a, Allowed or be socially acceptable anymore. People who travel all across the country to see their friends and family get married, that may not happen in the same way or fashion anymore. So, what we're doing is we're actually looking at developing new products and services that kind of fit the different size of wedding that will happen, as well as trying to include people who still want to be a part of it in a different way. So, for instance, uh, actually this summer, we have uh, already released a, a virtual package for weddings, which will allow People to go through a ceremony, have unlimited people who can watch online, have a limited number of guests who actually get to interact with them from afar as if they were at the wedding. And of course, it's not exactly the same experience, but these are the types of things that people are going to be looking for so that they can still get married, still feel like they're including everyone, but make sure that they do it where they can protect, especially, you know, those most vulnerable.
0: See, when you're an entrepreneur, when something big like COVID-19 happens, you really have to come up with innovative solutions to keep your business business running. And you're not just keeping the business running for yourself, you're keeping it running for the employees that put so much heart and soul into your business. And I think when people think of entrepreneurship, they just want to be an entrepreneur because it's a sexy sounding job. I'm an entrepreneur, but they don't realize how much hard work goes into being one. Because when a crisis happens, you're the one that has to step in and save your business
1: entrepreneurial tendencies or entrepreneurs, they're they're really the firefighters of their business. I think that a bit of kind of a a sexy connotation when it comes to entrepreneurship and, you know, everyone wants to get involved with it, especially in the last few years, um, because it seems like they're going to make a lot of money, that you're going to be able to go on vacations all the time and that you're going to be able to, you know, kind of reap the rewards and be the the face of the business. Well, it's not always in proportion or relation to what you would expect. So many entrepreneurs don't make a lot of money because the Money has to feed the business first. So often you have to live very humbly as, a, as an entrepreneur, at least for the first period of time. You know, if there's a problem, you're the last line of defense. So uh, if there's an HR issue, it's your problem. If there's a customer issue, it's your problem. If there's a piece of equipment that malfunctions, it's your problem. If there's cash flow issue, it's your problem. So, you know, entrepreneurs are really have to be adaptable. I think though, the true entrepreneurs, that's where really they shine because they really wanna be a part of kind of those solutions. They love being that last line of defense and working with their teams to overcome obstacles. And I think that really is, you know the opportunity to create and adapt products and services to meet your customer's needs and being able to kind of answer to, I mean, no one but yourself or maybe a board of directors in some cases, it's kind of one of the most rewarding, but one of the most challenging things that people can find.
0: There are many, many challenges when it comes to being an entrepreneur and even right now during COVID-19, there are so many more obstacles and one being... How is the food industry gonna operate? You do have a bistro that is part of Northern Lights Winery and I did notice that you are still doing takeout for people who would like it. They can come get it curbside. And on top of that, if they want it straight to their door, you are on DoorDash. There are ways to still get the very delicious, I can attest for that, Northern Lights food right to your home. But what else are you doing to kind of keep your audience engaged so people don't forget about the Northern Lights Winery? So with our uh,
1: media strategy, we really focus a lot on providing value for people who follow us. In particular, in the last month or so, we recognize that a lot of people are at home, a lot of people uh, don't have a lot to do, and they're looking online. And the last thing people really want to see is an ad, right? People don't want to hear about the best way to buy your wine or the best price or anything like that. People want um, content that they can consume that adds value to their life. And so what we've tried to do is create conversations um, stories, and and in essence, a a campfire. So like a place that people can gather around and consume information and share their own stories and create value that they can then take into their own homes. And so, you know, one of those things we have going on right now is is showing people how to cook things that they might not necessarily usually cook on their own. So we've got one video out there of spring rolls, our director of operations, who is showing people how to prune raspberry bushes and black currants and things like that, and does videos where we're talking about different ways of growing gardens and vegetables so that they can provide some of their own food sources. So as well, we're looking for entertaining things. So we've got lots of different memes that go up there. So we try and provide value uh, almost every day. We try and provide multiple sources of value to our audience. And for that, I think that you know people are, are appreciative. And at the end of the day, if that does mean that they consume one more bottle of wine, then that's great. But if not, we're totally okay with that because we think that that is the right thing to do because it will actually make their lives a little bit better in a tough situation. And if we can do that through our platforms, then uh, you know the, the benefits are, are endless.
0: So one thing I'm realizing after talking to a lot of different people in different industries about COVID-19 is the fact that some industries aren't going to be there anymore and other industries are not going to look like the way they looked before. So people who have careers might be thinking about changing them after this pandemic is over because they might not see themselves in that career in the future. And that goes for grads. Grads are kind of in a weird time right now and an exciting time because they're seeing the changes happen as they're choosing their post-secondary education. So now a lot of them might be thinking, Oh, well, I don't want to go into that industry because it's not the way that I thought it was going to be, or that industry isn't going to be there anymore. So what is your advice to people who are changing careers? careers are graduating on having a career as an entrepreneur or even in the wine industry.
1: This advice is very valuable for all ages of people because, I mean, the fact is, is that most people are having many, many careers through their lifetime you know, a very difficult time coming ahead because you may have lost your job, maybe in a career that you've had for a long time. In some cases, you might have lost the business. Well, the fact is, is that this type of time is actually the most exciting time for entrepreneurship because this is when new products and services can be innovated and people are looking for uh, new ways to experience things. So I'll say this, if you're graduating, A, don't worry if you don't have it figured out because you know what, you are going to live a very, very long time and you have probably four or five careers ahead of you. So if you go down a path and it doesn't work out, don't worry about it. As a matter of fact, this is a very key and uh, opportune time for you to be graduating because you don't have to go through the downturn. You can only see it on the way up. So this is going to be an opportunity for you to actually look at the positives coming out of COVID, uh, not just the negatives. And also, Be prepared because there will be another situation like this. Maybe not COVID. It could be an economic crisis. It could be a war. It could be something else, but something else will happen and it's just inevitable. So protect your business. Make sure that you are thinking about what you're going to do when the next bad situation happens.
0: Prince George means a lot to me. It helped me get a lot further into my career and I loved my time when I was living there. And the community is so amazing to me. I want to know how the community has rallied around each other and really stuck together in these very tough times.
1: Prince George is is an amazing community. For those of uh, you who haven't uh, traveled here before, I think it's uh, one of those communities that's not really well understood outside of the actual city. It is a medium-sized city, but it really feels small. And I don't mean small from a standpoint of not having services, because it has a ton of services within the city. But what it is, is it's really about the people. Like, everyone seems to know each other, everyone cares about each other, and everyone is just looking out for the best interests of their neighbor. It's a very safe community, and people are always trying to come up with new and innovative ways of developing relationships and that hasn't actually changed at all that's almost been more enhanced since this has happened some of you may have heard of the the hearts program where people put hearts up in their windows so that you can go and uh, see them well that actually was developed in prince george by a, a couple here that just wanted to bring something new and fun to the community and started putting hearts in their window and encouraged businesses and other people to do that and there's not a house in the entire city of prince george or business that for that matter that doesn't have hearts all over their windows trying to show support through this COVID pandemic. We've had uh, groups of people that have volunteered to do parades. So if you have a birthday coming up, they'll actually do a big parade of cars going by your house to to celebrate you and your birthday or a special event or a wedding anniversary or something like that. There's Facebook groups that have popped up that uh, have encouraged people to support local businesses like restaurants and other businesses that are struggling right now. I mean, there's just so many great things going on there. I think that Prince George, the heart of the community, really shows up when you need it the most
0: great I love 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 all the answers you gave me today so inspiring let's play a game It is my favorite part of this all you have to do is answer as many questions as you can in a span of a minute for the little game I like to call quarantine questions so let's get started name the book you're reading in self-isolation
1: one-minute manager
0: name your favorite quarantine snack
1: Uh, Doritos.
0: You're at the grocery till and you can only get one item out of your pile. What would it be? Uh, A bottle of wine. Love it. But that's only if you're lucky enough if your grocery store sells wine. (laughs) What show are you binge watching right now?
1: Well, actually, we just started the new uh, Netflix series on uh, Michael Jordan.
0: After this is all over, what would be the title of your memoir?
1: How to survive COVID and create new wine experiences.
0: I would buy that book. Okay, this is my favorite question. What is your favorite Northern Lights winery wine that you like to drink in self-isolation? Seduction. Good choice. Seduction is also my favorite. People have to try it. Rhubarb and strawberry. Amazing patio sipping wine. Okay, Doug, let's try to squeeze one more in. If you were to write a song about this whole situation, what would you title it? The Circle of Life. Oh, Doug, you just got one more in just before the last final seconds. But then of course, the buzzer went and I'm not sure if I'm going to let that last answer count. I'm pretty sure there's already a song called The Circle of Life.
1: Well, I uh, I tried my best, but uh, uh, I still uh, like the circle of life. It just I'm on the Lion King train these days.
0: OK, I'm going to let that slide. You only got seven in a minute and you tied with Kendall, my first guest, and you were not able to beat Mary, who is the current champion right now. And she is holding the throne with nine questions in a minute during my segment called quarantine questions. Anyways, thank you so much, Doug, for being a part of this. I really appreciate your advice to entrepreneurs. And if you want to check out Doug's winery or have any questions for him, make sure you go to the winery page, which is northernlightswinery.ca. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Coping 19 limited series podcast looking at how entrepreneurs are coping with COVID-19 and how they're changing their businesses to fit this new world.